0: People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Another game week is done, but we've got another one to look forward to. Game week eight is fast approaching, so to help you analyse the odds and try to find any value on offer, I've got Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal with me. You all good, Jake?
1: Yes, very good, thanks. We were just chatting before about the fact that the the biggest game of the weekend isn't on TV, Liverpool-Leicester. I'm looking forward to digressing to this game.
0: Yeah, a bit of a shame, but we'll get onto those in a minute. But we can start with the early kick-off. We've got Brighton versus Tottenham. Now Brighton, they started their season well with a 3-0 win over Watford where they looked they looked like a different team under Graham Potter and they carried that through to an impressive performance against West Ham. They got a draw but they probably deserved more than that and since then really they've kind of dropped off a little bit with three defeats and two draws in their last five Premier League games and they were, they were comfortably dispatched by Chelsea at the weekend. And With their opponents, we've said for a while that Tottenham, they don't really look like the same team as, as previous seasons. They did well against Southampton at the weekend. I think there's a bit of context to kind of look into with those XG numbers because obviously Tottenham had 10 men for two-thirds of the game. I think the Danny Ings goal equated to over half of Southampton's total XG. Um, It feels like potentially we're seeing two teams that might be crossing paths here. Brighton seem to be dropping off in terms of performance and maybe, just maybe, Tottenham might be on the rise. Do you still have faith in Graham Potter and... Do you think Brighton can get a result?
1: I'm not sure about getting a result, but yeah, I do have faith in Graham Potter. Obviously, the result last week against Chelsea, 2-0 defeat, actually flattered Brighton. It could have been a lot more based on the chances created by Chelsea. They squandered some really big opportunities. Um, but on the whole, I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen from Brighton so far this season. And, and they rate as the eighth best team in Goal's expected goals table. So they're doing, they're doing quite a lot right. As you mentioned, there's games against uh, West Ham Also against Burnley um, and even Newcastle where they they created the better of the chances and didn't quite get the win. Um, They were pressed against Manchester City holding them to just 1.88 expected goals. So this is a good Brighton side and they shouldn't be underestimated in this game. You mentioned there Tottenham perhaps look as though they're they're turning a corner. I'm not going to jump to conclusions just yet because I didn't think it was a very good performance against Southampton, uh, no matter what the XG totals said. And you're right to point out the the, the fact that they were down to 10 men, and the majority of the XG was from that Danny Ings chance, which was basically just a gifted goal from Hugo Lloris. Um, but even so, to, to, to create just 1.29 expected goals at home, um, even with 10 men, still is quite low for Spurs, and especially given what we've seen over the last two, three years from Maurizio Pochettino's side. Uh, they're currently performing like a mid-table team on expected goals. I did say last um, last week that Give them a little bit of um, a bit of credit in the in the fact that they have had a, a pretty tough schedule, and this is a point of the schedule where it starts to get easy. Obviously, we've seen the Southampton game now; they've got Brighton, um, having already played Leicester, um, Arsenal, and Manchester City away from home. So it does get a little bit easier for Spurs, but they come off. The, they'll be playing this game on the back of a Champions League game in midweek against Bayern Munich. And after a a draw against Olympiacos in the first Champions League game, I would imagine that Pochettino will feel the strong side in that one to try and get um, the first win of that group stage. So there could be an element of tiredness. Again, it looks as though they've been hard done by with the fixture scheduling, playing on the Tuesday and then having the early game on Saturday. But still, uh, Tottenham have every chance of getting a win in this game. And they're they're priced up about right, uh, the Infocom model suggests. They're giving them about a 48% chance compared to around 50-51 on the market. Uh, the value in this game, though, is, is, is looking at the goals market. And we're, we're suggesting that Brighton could actually hold Tottenham to a few chances in this game and, and perhaps maybe even scrape a draw. But we're, we're seeing a bit of value in, in backing under 2.5 goals. We're given a 55% chance of that happening compared to around 50 available. So there's a little bit of value there. Whether it is a narrow Tottenham win um, or, like I said, a cagey draw, I'm not too sure. But uh, under 2.5 goals looks to play in that
0: one. Yeah, so at Pinnacle we got a split over/under market 2.5 and three, and even then the unders taking the money. So could be right there. The market seemed to be buying into that as well. We'll move on to Burnley versus Everton, and Burnley have been like, been a difficult one to work out for me. They started off with that flattering win against Southampton. They deserve more than their loss against Arsenal. I mean, they then didn't look great against Brighton. They've looked a lot better in the last two games against Norwich and Aston Villa. They're now coming up against an Everton side who we've kind of been quite vocal on in terms of their struggles this season. I mean, that's based on their results. They have put up some decent underlying numbers. The games against Villa, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, all probably weren't a fair reflection of the result. And then they created three or four decent chances against Man City, although I think one of them was headed in for about a centimetre out, but... (laughs) Forgetting that for a second, they if they want to come in, become like a top six contender or break into that top six, Everton are going, to, are going to need to start getting some results on the board. So, do you think this is the game they can do it in? The Invercon model does, yeah. Um, you mentioned there that the, we have been very vocal about Everton's shortcomings
1: in recent weeks, and they have you know that, that defeat for Manchester City was their third straight in the Premier League, um, and the third straight by two or two or more goals, which will be a, a worry for Marco Silva. We'll just touch on Burnley for a quick moment. You mentioned there at the start of the season, they've got a fortunate win. And then since then, the performances haven't been too bad, but they haven't been getting the results that they've arguably warranted. The game against Aston Villa was another case in point there where they, they edged the XG battle. They created 1.73, to Villa's 1.2. And we perhaps arguably unfortunate not to come away with all three points. The, you know, We have spoke about the fact that they look like they're a much more potent attacking side um, this season and especially towards the back end of last season but defensively there's still some vulnerabilities there they're conceding an average of 1.26 expected goals per game so they are gettable this Burnley side and as Liverpool showed in, in the most recent home game um, against the top side the you know, they're, they're vulnerable, Liverpool just pulled, pulled them apart and Everton although they're not in the same bracket as Liverpool they are still capable of doing just that Um I thought Everton played really well against Manchester City at the weekend. Uh, obviously, defensively, they didn't. They allowed 2.86 expected goals. But going forward, I know, even you mentioned the, the Carver-Lewin goal, which I think it would have been really difficult to miss that one. That made up quite a lot of their XG. But still, they racked up 2.65, including that. Take that one away, it was around two expected goals. That's a good attacking display. Um, and the highest, the, the best attacking display of the season so far, according to XG. So there are positive signs there. I think a defeat in this game and Marco Silva is his head on the chopping block potentially. He desperately needs a result. His side are averaging 1.57 expected goals for per game this season. You mentioned unfortunate results away at Bournemouth and at home to Sheffield United. Is this the game where regression hits and and they do get a a victory? Every chance. They currently rank as the seventh best team on expected goals in in, in Infragoals XG table. So the underlying numbers suggest that they're not as bad as the, as the league position is showing. So it's just a matter of time before that win comes and things start turning around for Everton. We feel it in football. So we're around a 40% chance of the Toffees getting a win, which represents a small amount of value compared to what's available.
0: Yeah, Everton currently lists at 37%, so kind of marginal marginal discrepancy there. And, and maybe this could be the game that Everton really get their, their season going. Next up, we've got Liverpool versus Leicester City. As you said, I think most people have this one down as the highlight fixture, a bit of frustration that it's not on TV, but Liverpool seven from seven this season, a a 16 game winning streak going back to last season. Sheffield United made them work for it at the weekend and the goal came, I mean, it was a goalkeeping mistake, but I think it was a win that was deserved nonetheless. Um, The reason it's such a good game for me is because I think a lot was expected of Leicester at the start of the season. They seem to be living up to those expectations at the moment. They've They've conceded 5-7, which is the same as Liverpool, um, but their underlying numbers are actually a bit better than their their opponents this weekend. If there's any kind of weakness for them, it's probably their attacking process at the moment. Um, I think they're kind of 4th, 5th bottom by that metric, but you also have to wonder how much of that is down to tactical setup in games against the likes of Wolves, Chelsea, Manchester United and Tottenham. So, are Leicester going to be the team that put an end to Liverpool's run? How does Infogol break this one down?
1: Yeah, it's a very competitive game, this one. I mean, if you just look at Infogol's XG table right now, Liverpool sit third, so they're slightly overperforming and, and Leicester sit fifth. So, effectively, we've got two of the strongest teams in the league facing off at Anfield. Um, and that's reflected in the fact that Infogol thinks that Liverpool are slightly overrated for this game. Uh, Liverpool are available around 66% on the market and Infogol suggested close to 55% chance of getting the win. So... I won't put anyone off back in Leicester or the draw. I think they're very more than capable. They went there last season, obviously, and, and got a 1-1 draw. In a game, they actually won the XG battle. So, they're a capable team, Leicester, and as you mentioned already, they've, they've played quite a few of the top six, or the big teams, uh, this season already, Leicester, and, and they've caused plenty of problems and picked up picked up victories and points. So, definitely, um, every chance of Leicester getting, a, getting something from this game. Liverpool just, just keep steamrolling don't they I mean the the win against Sheffield United you mentioned it it was a goalkeeping error but based on XG it was a fully deserved win obviously you had Salah and Marnie both missing big chances uh, one-on-ones almost so they continue to create good chances um, but defensively they're still looking vulnerable obviously Sheffield United had a few great opportunities to get to get an equaliser um, or even a winner. Obviously, they missed a couple of good chances uh, back-to-back. Robertson made a great block and then Leon Clark right at the end, whether he would have been flagged off offside or not, not too sure. But um, it's still a great opportunity and it shows that Liverpool remain vulnerable and, and they're not quite up to the highest standards uh, that they set last season in terms of defence. The current process is still incredibly strong. 1.93 expected goals for, 1.22 expected goals again. So, they're rightly challenging at the top of the table. Um, as I mentioned, they're slightly fortunate to be top, but if they continue performing the way they are, they'll not lose too many matches this season. Um, and as for Leicester, they were very impressive against Newcastle. Slightly flattered by the scoreline, but defensively, again, they just they didn't allow anything, even when Newcastle had 11 men on the pitch. Just 0.12 expected goals conceded. Obviously, as soon as they went down to 10 men Newcastle, the, the attacking threat that they posed, which is minimal anyway, reduced to pretty much zero. And then it was just a matter of how many, and Leicester were extremely cool with the chances that they, they created. That was their fourth win in the last five games. Um, they're just performing really well. Like you mentioned, they're at the, they're, the attacking process is probably the one area where you'd, you'd, you'd question they're averaging just 1.22 expected goals for per game, which is really low considering the, the attacking talent they have available. But defensively, they've, they've been the best in the league. They're allowing just 0.79 expected goals again. So they're going to be a really tough team to break down for Liverpool. And that's why Infragold siding with um, under 2.5 goals in this one. We think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Like I mentioned, Leicester are the best defensive team in the league. And that, that every chance that they can hold Liverpool, to few good chances. And th- there's a lot of value available uh, in backing under 2.5 goals. Infragold's around 56% chance of that happening. Um, I believe the market is around odds against on a two and a half goals. So that's the, definitely the value bet in this one.
0: Yeah. And I think when you talk about that attacking process, how important someone like James Madison is going to be and obviously missed the game against Newcastle, but I think he's back for Liverpool and that could be a, a crucial piece in the puzzle for them. Now we've got Norwich versus Aston Villa. And I think if at the start of the season, if you'd have asked most people who the, the most impressive newly promoted team is this season, I think these two teams would have got the bulk of the votes. Um, However, it's probably Sheffield United that are drawing all the Laplaudits and these two are really struggling and they're they're both really struggling for the same reason. It's a simple one. It's their the performance at the back. Um based on underlying numbers, there are there are teams with a worse defence than them, but I think some of those, I mean you think the likes of like Watford, uh, a lot of those, a lot of that XG has come in individual games or over a couple of games, whereas these two teams it seems to be they're just consistently giving away good chances. Now it looks like it could be one for goals here, but does Info InfoGoal agree with that, or is there value in going against the market?
1: One hundred percent value in going against the market in this one. Um, obviously, we know it's early season, but still, this is this is a huge six-pointer um, in my book. Anyway, as you mentioned, the two sides that, especially Aston Villa, who spent serious cash in in the summer, that were expected to almost be comfortable at this stage of the season, but all of a sudden, this is a huge crunch match for both who are. They're both struggling to get points on the board, get wins. And like you mentioned, the main reason for that is defense. defensively, they're just so vulnerable. Obviously, we know Norwich have had some serious uh, injuries to the majority of their back line at the start of the season. Remember the Manchester City game, they played pretty much a different back four to the one that played in the previous game due to injury. So uh, they deserve a little bit more leeway than Aston Villa in terms of criticism. But even so, the, the defence that they are fielding if you take the, the league average after seven, two, nearly two expected goals conceded per game, which if, if you do that in the Premier League, you, you're going to get punished. It's one of the best leagues in the world, the best strikers, the best finishers. You're going to get punished if you're conceding that amount per game. And Aston Villa aren't too far behind. They're averaging 1.89 expected goals against per game. So, yeah, we've got two teams that are both desperate for a win. But again, on the flip side of that, they're both desperate not to lose because it's a direct rival. Um, Infigol thinks this is going to be a cagey game because of that reason despite both sides conceding good chances they're expected to tighten up slightly not wanting to give too much away to, to um, you know, a, a team that they're expected to be challenging or rivaling um, to avoid relegation come the end of the season um, again under two and a half goals represents a huge deal of value, we're looking at 60% chance uh, and I think it is odds again against uh, on the market so there's a great deal of value there Um, this is a a game between two of the three worst teams according to expected goals so far this season. So, I mean, you know, it could go out of two ways. It could be a 4-4 with leaky defences, but Infragold signing with a, uh, you know, a close game with very few goals, maybe like a narrow 1-1, 1-0 either way. There isn't too much between the teams and they could well cancel each other out.
0: Yeah, the 1x2 market definitely seems to struggling to make its mind up you've got Norwich around 41% the draw around 25-26 and Aston Villa on 32 but the the money's really coming on the over at three goals so as you said if that's a cagey one there could be potential value there now we've got Watford versus Sheffield United and it was another week another loss for Watford I think it's five losses two draws so far and I mean their performances haven't really been deserving of much better the only one that jumps out to me was that Draw they got at Arsenal where they should have really got the win. Um, we just touched upon Sheffield United there and how impressive they've been this season. Um, we know they had solid numbers coming up from the Championship, but as Aston Villa and Norwich have shown, nothing is a given, and sometimes it might be the ability to kind of adapt to the Premier League and kind of shift that that tactical setup. So. We have seen some below path performances from Sheffield United where they've got results, and then we've seen some game winning performances where they've not got what they deserve. I think they're probably about, well, they're pretty much spot on uh, based on expected points. Um, despite all of those kind words about Sheffield United, it still feels like this is a good chance for Watford to get their first win of the season. Um, does InfoGoal think they can do it?
1: Yes, we do, yes. Yeah. Um... Had this game been taking place at the start of the season, I think we'd see Watford at odds on. But because of what what's happened so far and and the struggles almost, um, you're getting a decent price on Watford really. They're around 44%, 45% on uh, on the market. And Infogold suggests that's a really good price. You mentioned the fact that obviously they're the only winless team left in the Premier League. They've had their, they've had serious struggles defensively um obviously you've got the six expected goals you allowed at Manchester City but anybody could do that I guess on, on any given day against that that attacking team but even so they're allowing good chances which is a huge worry for Kike Sanchez for us. but the one positive you will take from what he's seen so far um you mentioned the Arsenal game at home that was a fantastic performance and even the Wolves game last time out they created some decent chances and 2-0 flattered Wolves it, it it was probably a one 0 game, but obviously the game opened up with Watford were trying to get an equaliser, and, and Wolves went up the other end and scored on the counter. So um, they were perhaps unlucky to lose, so you know with, by that margin. But um, still, their, their attacking process hasn't been as bad as as what's been shown so far. They've scored just four goals so far this season in the Premier League um, from chances equating to ten expected goals. So that's a huge underperformance, um, and it's something that we probably will see. Um, average out over the course of the season so they might go through a period where they, they're running really hot on XG and they, and they might score 10 from 4 XG um, but for the time being if they continue creating the chances that they are creating they will start hitting the net more regularly um, that, and this is a, a great game for them to start doing that Sheffield United we mentioned that they, you know, it, was a, it was a defensive error that cost them against Liverpool but they still allowed good chances and it's something that they have done continually so far this season they're they're allowing 1.43 expected goals against per game which their championship numbers last season they were averaging less than one xga per game so it just shows you how hard the step up is uh, to maintain that level of process and how much more quality there is in the Premier League Uh, if they continue with that number and if they can increase their expected four number they've got every chance of of staying up because that would be a process of a mid-table team in the Premier League so the early signs are really positive for Sheffield United but Coming into this game, it, it feels like a must-win game for Watford, this. A must-win game for Watford and, more importantly, Kike Sanchez-Flores. Uh, we know he's only been in the job for, well, three Premier League games. But if, you get, if he gets beat here, who knows what happens. Watford's hierarchy, they love hiring and firing. So it, it wouldn't be too much of a shock if he got sacked really quickly straight away. So it's a must-win game for them, really, just to get the season up and running. Um, Infigol thinks there's value in backing Watford to win this game, just purely based on the fact that they, they, they seem quite a long price. Um, and as I said, if this match was being played early on in the season, uh, first or second game week, then Watford would have been arguably probably odds on. Uh, but Infigol has 49% chance of a Watford win, so the 44 you're getting, 44-45 um, available, it represents a decent bit of value there.
0: Right now we've got West Ham versus Crystal Palace and I think most people would call this a, a London derby but we can dub it the over derby there. Two teams that are outperforming their underlying process at the moment, obviously West Ham a little bit more than Palace. Um, the Bournemouth game was the third match on the spin where they probably deserved to lose but they still come away with a win, two draws and two clean sheets in those matches Palace, they were actually, what, despite what I've just said, they were they were good value for their win against Norwich, but they had a few worrying performances already, and I think they've been covered up by some decent results that perhaps were undeserved. Now, West Ham are around the second worst team based on expected goals against. Palace are the second worst team on expected goals for. It's a tricky one to work out, so what does InfoGoal think?
1: It's a really tricky game, this one. Uh, like you've mentioned, it's... Some real positives and negatives on both sides. Um, Obviously, for West Ham, the main positive has been their attacking process. I mean, barring the 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 two games against Aston Villa and Manchester United, they've created good chances in pretty much every other game so far this season. So that's a huge positive. But the the massive negative is the the amount of chances next year that they continue to concede. Um, That averages up over two expected goals per game now uh, that they're allowing, which is yeah. If you keep performing like that, you're not going to finish anywhere near the top six this season. Um, and they're currently ranked as the 17th worst team in the Premier League, according to expected goals. So, they're, like you said, they're overperforming by a, a huge margin. Um, and as for Palace, you said there that their overall attacking numbers haven't been fantastic. But, um, but defensively, they've looked fairly solid. You know, last four games, 0.64 against Norwich, 0.37 against Aston Villa, only 1.25 against Tottenham and 1.84 against Wolves. So, you're looking at a, a fairly decent average there. Um, and Roy's, Roy Hodgson's side, you know, they've, they've shown that they have got some attacking talent there, um, mainly in the home games. Is they need to replicate that in, into away matches, obviously. But the best performances so far this season have come at home. Uh, but they, they're showing that they are capable of getting results. Obviously, they went to Manchester United and got a two-one win. Um, but yeah, this is a really, really tough one to call. Um, like you said, you've got one team that's got strong in attack, one team that's really poor defensively to see a, a really tight game. Really. Uh, Crystal Palace have got every chance of, of causing some problems on the counter attack for West Ham as Bournemouth did for um, long spells last, last weekend and West Ham are more than capable of carving palace open. So yeah. I'm tempted to sit on the fence here, but instead I'm, I'm the infocult model says there's a small amount of value in, in chanting Crystal Palace to get something from the game. Um, we're ch- around a 59% chance of, of Crystal Palace avoiding defeat. I uh, expect it to be a tight game. Like I said, it, it could be a 1-1, it could be 2-2, it could be 3-3, it could be anything this game. Um, but siding with Palace, I think, to get something is, is the value play in this one. As West Ham look a little bit too short at
0: 47%? Yeah, as you said they're based on the 1x2, you've got the draw at 27%, 28%. Crystal Palace hovering around 25%, so it might be another one for that draw-no-bet, double-chance type type approach. And interestingly, the the over-under is slap-bang on the league, league average at 2.5 and that the market really can't make its mind up. So it might be a case of that strong pro- attacking process from West Ham coming up uh, against a strong defensive process from Palace. So we'll have to see what happens in that one. And next up, we've got Arsenal versus Bournemouth. And this is another interesting one for me. I think the two themes that have emerged from this podcast so far this season are We like talking about how bad Arsenal are at the back and we like talking about how good Bournemouth are in attack. Um, We did see some improvements from Arsenal against Manchester United but I think you need to take note that that's a a Manchester United team that haven't exactly been creating a bucket load of chances this season. Obviously a lot of their their XG has been generated from the penalty spot. Um, Bournemouth put up a hefty 2.52 XG against West Ham but it was another game where they conceded a fair few chances as well. So... If you're looking at this game by the numbers, I mean, prob- people are probably thinking like it's got to be a 4-4 thriller. Um, but I mean, the, the, jokes aside, the market is big on big on goals here. So is InfoGold Info going to oppose it or is there value elsewhere?
1: No, we completely agree with the market. We think there's, there's a lot of goals in this game. I won't put anyone off back in 4-4 draw, 2-2 draw, 3-3 draw, anything really. Uh, like you mentioned, we've got two teams here that are, every game that they play seems to... Serve up chances at both ends. Um, Arsenal' performance against Manchester United was actually their best performance of the season so far in the Premier League, anyway. But you know, they arguably unfortunate not to get the win. They missed a couple of good chances. Um, limited Manchester United to just the one big chance, which was that McTominay header at the back post. So you know, there's a pro- promising signs for Arsenal there. But um, as you mentioned, it was against the United team that have struggled to create good chances. But still, they show that they continue to be a, a really potent attacking force. Aubameyang looks extremely cl- clinical. He's seven goals from seven games now this season. He's absolutely flying. He's going to be tough to stop for Bournemouth. Um, and Arsenal's process just says everything you need to know about Arsenal. Really, 1.65 expected goals for per game and 1.86 expected goals against. So, yeah, chances at both ends is, is becoming the norm and. Boating to score bets is becoming the norm for Arsenal and over two and a half bets. So, um, when you couple Arsenal's chances at both ends with Bournemouth's chances at both ends, who are even worse in defence, two point one one expected goals against, and offer a serious counter-attacking threat, then yeah, there's only one place to look really, and that is uh, an entertaining, high-scoring game. If you compare Aston Villa, who went to went to the Emirates and, and generate 1.83 expected goals in the 3-2 defeat and Bournemouth are a much better attacking team than Aston Villa are. You'd imagine that Bournemouth could have, if not the same, maybe more joy in in tackling this Arsenal uh, defence. So over three and a half goals is where we are looking. we're looking. Over two and a half is so around 72% on our model. Over three and a half is up at 53%, 54%. So there's maybe a small amount of value um, in backing over three and a half isn't any value in backing Arsenal once again this week. The mark is 1x2, saying around 67% chance of an Arsenal win. Um, Inforgo goes 57%, so I won't put anyone off opposing Arsenal once again. Obviously, the last two away games have been draws at uh, Manchester United and Watford. The home game against Tottenham was a 2-2 draw. They were arguably fortunate to get out of jail against Aston Villa in a 3-2 win, so maybe a
0: high-scoring draw this one, um, or
1: Arsenal just to nick it another 3-2, but yeah, over 3.5 goals is where we're looking for the value.
0: Yeah, definitely Arsenal do look on the big side at 67-68%, and you're right on the the over-under set at 3.5, the market split right down the middle, but there's a, you could argue that either of these teams could get over 3.5 goals just by their, themselves based on the defences that have been on display. Next game, we've got Manchester City versus Wolves, and Man City weren't the force we saw against Watford, but it was another deserved win against Everton. I think with them, the, the attack is never going to be an issue, and there's there got to be some real concerns kind of mounting up about their defensive process. And I've been digging into the numbers a little bit, and the the XG against, they're currently around like the 8 mark this season. Um, it actually took them up until December last season to get to that mark, so I know you've got to think about strength of schedule and stuff like that, but that's that kind of highlights just how how many issues they're facing there and and Wolves I don't think it needs to be said again with them the potential impact of the Europa League is an obvious one it's a shame for them I feel because it was the win against Watford is was probably what they needed to get their season going and now they've just got to deal with Manchester City away so um Pinnacle's got Man City at a nice 86% a 2 and 2.5 goal handicap I'm going to guess that InfoGold agrees and that they're probably going to get the win, but is there any value?
1: In the 1x2 market we're not seeing too much value, now. Um, last season Wolves were rated as the fifth best team in unexpected goals. So they're still carrying the majority of that rating into this season despite their um, their poor results to start the season. Underlying performances haven't been too bad, but all that means that InfoGold are 76% chance for Manchester City win, so not as strong as what's available on the market, but um, still, you know, they've got three and four chances of getting a win Manchester City, you mentioned defensive issues they, you know, they went they went to Shakhtar kept a clean sheet, clean sheet against Watford, clean sheet against Preston and everything looked like it was rosy again, everything looked as though they, they'd solved all the problems um, and then they go and concede 2.65 to Everton, a team who were averaging about 1.4 at the time, so you're right to point that out the defensive issues remain I can't, I can't see them being caused too many problems in this game, though. Um, you mentioned the attacking process is you know, it's off the charts, really. They're averaging over three expected goals per game. And if they continue doing that, they'll win pretty much every game from now to the end of the season. Um, the issue I have coming into this game for Wolves is, you mentioned the Europa League, and when you look at the schedule, they're actually in Turkey playing against Besiktas uh, on Thursday night, and then they're flying back for a Two o'clock kickoff on Sunday, so it's a tight turnaround. Um, and their results after playing on on Thursday nights are, are really poor. Obviously, the, the last group game uh, they would lost to Braga at home, so they, you know they didn't have to travel anywhere. But it was just the time that the um, the, the effort and that the, the players put in in that game, and then they went to Crystal Palace and could only manage a one-one draw, thanks to a last-minute equaliser. So I do fear for them. Like you're right to point out that the the two-nil win over uh, Watford was deserved, and it was probably one in which they thought would kick-start the season. But, uh, yeah, the, the the schedule is tough for them. Like I said, the away trips to Turkey and then to face the champions who are averaging a huge three expected goals per game is is really tough. Not seeing too much, um, not giving them too much of a chance of of winning this game or even getting a point. Last season, they performed really well against top six. They started that again this season. and They got beat by Chelsea, but... They've got a point against Leicester, a point against Manchester United. So they are capable of, of, of causing an upset. But yeah, the, the way things have, have happened for Wolves um, and the schedule, yeah, I can't see them getting too much. And instead, we're looking at uh, the goals market. Um, we're thinking it's going to be a tight game. It's definitely not going to be an 8-0 like Manchester City's last home game. But a comfortable home win. We're looking at under three and a half goals, uh, which offers a small amount of value. We're around a 55% chance of, of that happening. So, yeah, small amount of value, a narrow home win, uh, probably with a clean sheet. Just, just based on the fact that Wolves have, have had a really tough start and a tough schedule. Um, and yeah, I sort of feel for them a little bit.
0: Yeah, if you look at the table from last season, as you said that record against the top six. I think no matter who Wolves are coming up against, if you just said they'd be playing a team and have four percent, nearly below four percent chance of winning. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, really. So Southampton versus Chelsea, and this is talk about emerging themes and near enough every week we say that Southampton won lucky not to win, they put up good XG numbers, their fortunes must be about to turn around and on the face of it, it looks like another example of that this weekend. Um, they did outscore Tottenham on XG 1.5 to 1.29 and I've already mentioned it, but 0.68 of that was from Danny Ings poking in off a Hugo Lloris error. And even then, I think if you consider them playing against 10 men, you'd, you'd be expecting them to put up more than that. Um, Chelsea, we said as well, they, they demolished Brighton. They deserved more than their two goals. And Frank Lampard finally got that elusive clean sheet. Um, I think Chelsea have actually done OK this season, despite the two losses to Manchester United and Liverpool. And if they continue to work on that defence, I think that top, sport, top four spot looks like it will be theirs for the take. now... What do we think will happen here? Will we see another Chelsea impressive performance from Chelsea? Do you think?
1: There's every chance. I mean, you mentioned it there. I've got to agree with you. I think that from what we've seen, obviously Manchester City and Liverpool will definitely be top four. But from what we've seen from the rest, um, I've been much more impressed by Chelsea than I have United, Arsenal, um, Tottenham, and even Leicester. Um, not just from the underlying numbers, but the I don't know the, the youthfulness that they're playing with. They look like they've got a plan. They've got uh, they're organised. Um, especially going forward, um, see, so yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with them, but I think this is going to be a really tough game for Chelsea. Um, you said it there. I'm going to sing Southampton's praises again. Um, obviously, not going to suggest that they deserve to win against Tottenham, um, but according to ex- expected goals, a draw would have probably been a fairer reflection of that game. Um, and they can just continue to be a little bit unlucky, um, mainly in defence. They're allowing more goals than would be expected based on the chances that they're facing. So. Something for perhaps Angus Gunn to work on, or maybe the defence to, you know, make the probabilities of the shots a little bit lower, force them a little bit wider. Um, but still, their underlying performances have been really solid. They're averaging 1.75 expected goals for per game against Southampton, which is really high for a, a team that really struggled for two years under Mark Hughes. That um, you know they sit around I think sixth in the expected goals table, so. They're a good side, and uh, they shouldn't be underestimated in this game, even even against a, a Chelsea team that look like they're really hitting the stride now. They absolutely hammered Brighton last weekend. In Chelsea racked up three point eight seven expected goals, and that followed a, a you know seven goals in midweek in the League Cup against Grimsby. So it looked like they they're finally hitting the stride. You mentioned the, the elusive clean sheet there. That that will be a, a huge bonus for Frank Lampard. But they're still averaging 0.1 point. Uh, sorry, 1.39 expected goals against per game. Um, I, I believe Southampton pose a much greater threat to Chelsea going forward than, than Brighton do, or did last week. Um, I think I think Southampton are able to create good chances here. I like what I saw from the mo- in the most part against Tottenham. Um, obviously, that that was they played three of last season's top six already. They got a point against Manchester United, and they were really impressive against Liverpool. Um, you know they. Against Liverpool, they played at home. They were lucky not to get at least a point. They um, got a point against Manchester United at home. So th- this is a really tough game for Chelsea, and that's reflected in Infogol's probabilities. Uh, the 1x2 on the market gives Chelsea around a 52% chance of getting the win. Um, Infogol gives them a 39%, so that's that 13% difference, um, which means that the, the value in this play is to oppose Chelsea. So we're looking at Southampton or the draw, which we're giving them around a 61% chance of getting something from the game. So there's a huge amount of value there
0: compared to what's available. So our final game sees Newcastle versus Manchester United. And this is one that, I mean, it's often billed as an exciting prospect. And although there's been a few good games of them from the the last couple of seasons, I don't think many are going to be expecting much from this. Newcastle don't look, look good in either attack or defence. There was some hope at the start of the season, but now it seems that Steve Bruce has, has definitely got a job on his hands. Manchester United—they seem to be relying on their defense and the penalty spot to get their results this season. The Arsenal match was another dull one for me. They—they're probably fortunate to come away with the with the point. Um, if you take away those four penalties that they've had this season, uh, only they obviously only scored two of them. Um, but Manchester United are probably hovering around like a mid-table team based on that underlying process. So, how does InfoGoal view this fixture? Yeah,
1: it's not the most um, eye-catching fixture, is it? Maybe twenty years ago it would be. But not anymore. You've got a really a Newcastle side that are really struggling at the minute and they Yeah, they were poor for half an hour until the man got sent off against Leicester. And then after that it was just a, a formality really and, and just a matter of how many. They rank as the worst team in the league on expected goals do Newcastle this season. So their underlying process is is terrible as as the results have been. Um I will caveat that though with the fact that they, they have played um Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Leicester. So four teams that are vying for a top six spot, um, and in the three games against teams in and around them, shall we say? You know they got a draw against Watford, a draw against Brighton. Um, both of those came at home, uh, and obviously the heavy defeat at Norwich on the second day, uh, game week of the season. So there are some positives there for Newcastle fans, but you you, you know you, you're grasping at straws really. They're, even the performances against Watford and Brighton have been below par, you'd have to say, especially given what we've seen from Watford so far this season. Um, but if you were to make a case for Newcastle, it would be their home form has been fairly steady. 0.96 expected goals for 1.26 expected goals against per game at home. So while they're not creating too many good chances, they're, they're limiting their opponents um, fairly well so far this season at, at St James's Park. Manchester United put in what was another disappointing display, you'd have to say, at home to Arsenal. We got the lead through a um, Scott McTominay strike that had a 3% chance of being scored. And then after that, they really struggled to create good chances. And um, at the start of that second half, Arsenal had two or three really good opportunities to obviously score through Aubameyang to equalise. But after that, they had two good opportunities through Torreira um, and Saka's chance that got deflected over the crossbar, which ultimately meant that Manchester United were fortunate to get a 1-1 draw. What is that? They've really struggled in attack. You mentioned it there. Arguably, to take the penalties away, they rank as one of the worst attacking teams in the league so far this season. Something that really needs working on um, by Ole and Solskjaer. But the only positive for them has been the defensive process. Averaging 0.91 expected goals against per game. So, these two sides, are they're both flawed. They've both got the problems, but they've both got the strength. Um, and surprisingly, both of their strengths are, are in defence. But even more surprisingly, Imprigol thinks there's value in backing both teams to score. Just based on the fact that both teams are desperate for a victory and, and, and both will be seeing this as a good opportunity to get the win. Obviously, Newcastle are playing against the United side that are way out of form. Um, they'll fancy the chances. They'll up the game for a, one of the last season's top six. United will be looking at it as, as a Newcastle team that are relegation fodder, um, and a game that they should be winning, and, and a game that they c- can put them back on track. So we're expecting a much more lively encounter than than what than perhaps you know many people would be expecting. Uh, and we're around a 54% chance of both teams to score, which offers a small amount of value. I wouldn't be surprised to see another uh, Newcastle home game that ends in a draw, another Manchester United away game in which they you know they really struggle. Perhaps a 1-1 draw. Um, there's not much value in the 1x2 market. Uh, markets around 52%. Infigal's around 52% of a Manchester United win. So, priced up about right. So, yeah, both teams' score looks the, the way to go in this one from an Infragold perspective.
0: Well, there we go. Ten more games da- are down and there's not long to wait until this weekend's Premier League action gets underway. So thanks again for joining me, Jake. Some great insights as always. No problem. My pleasure. And if anyone wants more information on Infogoal, then you can visit InfoGold.net, follow at InfoGold app on Twitter and download the app on iTunes and Androids. You'll find all the latest odds for game week eight of the Premier League on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets. And remember, please gamble responsibly.